Hi everyone, thanks for listening to Not Your Average Keto Podcast. Today I'm happy to welcome back Justin Weber. He lost 170 pounds in two years after the birth of his first child, and he has maintained that loss for over three years. He started eating a vegetarian diet over 20 years ago, but it was still mostly high-processed foods that led to morbid obesity. When he started his weight loss journey, he started paying more attention to the nutrient value of his food, and now he only eats whole vegan foods. Justin and I talked for over an hour, but due to some weird audio issues, I had to edit a bit. In the first couple of minutes, the conversation abruptly changes from crafts to talking about recipe substitutions. We had been talking about how when people take published recipes and substitute ingredients that the finished product isn't always ideal. I hope you enjoy the episode anyways, and I hope Justin will be back again. Make sure you check him out on Instagram at Crowmoon Kitchen. So hi, Justin. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you doing in quarantine, isolation, lockdown, or whatever it is you're doing there in Wisconsin? Uh, just kind of settling into it. I mean, it's a little bit cold yet. Um, I mean, it's been in like the 30s Fahrenheit, so it's a little, little hard to get outside and enjoy it. But yeah, been keeping busy, cooking a lot. Doing a lot of crafting. Oh, crafting. That's awesome. What kind of crafts are you guys doing? Yeah. Uh, do you know what perler beads I are? I do. I'm doing a lot of perler beads, some origami. Oh, brilliant. Um, yeah, we've been doing, because I have a, a five-year-old and a two-year-old, so we've been getting into cosmic kids yoga. Oh, brilliant. Yes. Uh, yeah. So they have it on YouTube, and yeah, my five-year-old, he loves, I mean, he requests it every single day. So. Oh, that's so awesome. Okay. So one of my uh, one of my friends, he actually lives in the same town that I do, is James Shend. Mm-hmm. He's the editor in chief over at Taste of Home magazine. Oh, okay. And yeah, and so like we've had conversations about recipes quite a bit, and you know, like I'll post something and somebody will respond back and just say like, you know, my results were terrible. It didn't bake, or it wasn't big enough, or it was too wet, or whatever. And a lot of times it's, it's based on those substitutions and those are the same things that like they have at taste of home. You know, it's a major magazine. They have, you know, professional editors, chefs. I mean, James Shend is a trained chef, I think at the like New York culinary school. Um, But yeah, once you give that recipe out to people, you really have no control over like, what are they doing with it? And are they measuring it properly? Are they using the same exact ingredients. And a lot of times, like for my blog, especially, um, sometimes I'll put in a brand name of something. Like I'll say King Arthur bread flour. Right. Because King Arthur bread flour has some of the highest protein content, which creates the highest gluten content in it. So if you're making like a, a ciabatta or a sourdough bread, like that number really matters quite a bit. And if somebody is substituting in like regular all-purpose flour or they want to, you know, try to be more healthy. So they add in a a wheat flour, you know, the results are going to be dramatically different based on that. And it's, yeah, it's a challenge. Especially with bread, because more than anything, Mm -hmm. bread is like a chemistry experiment. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Have you ever read um, any of Julia Child's stuff? I have, yeah. Because I think, when was it, like the 60s or so, 70s? And she was like on the hunt to make the French baguette in an American home. Mm-hmm. 
And I think it was that they were using an asbestos tile in their stove and and it it cracked or something. And they realized, oh, maybe we shouldn't be using an asbestos tile in our stove (laughs) to cook a French baguette on. But then, yeah, she, uh, you know, because she was in France for so long and their flour is different than ours. And then so she was trying all these different flours and all these different um, processes to try and get an authentic French baguette that you could make in your stove in, you know, the United States. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's such a, it's such a chemistry experiment. So, I mean, yeah, it's, you can't be accountable for what people do when they try and uh, substitute. Like when I did the ratatouille, um, it's got uh, the green zucchini and the yellow zucchini or yellow squash and then the eggplant. Mm-hmm. And well, you try and get the, the narrow eggplant, of course they don't have that here. So I used a big eggplant and sliced it in half. And then instead of yellow squash, because I couldn't find any, well, this it's March, right? Um, I got a yellow bell pepper and kind of sliced that up as best I could. So, I mean, it didn't look quite as pretty as yours, but it tasted darn good. And that's really all that counts. Mm -hmm. It would have been nice if it it looked as pretty as yours. (laughs) I wanted to talk to you again, kind of a, we kind of glossed over it when we were talking before that you eat a plant-based diet. And what I was Mm -hmm. wondering, have you always eaten a plant-based diet or did you really just start when you started your kind of weight loss journey when your son was born? So I started being vegetarian when about 20 years ago. So I haven't eaten meat in two decades. Wow. Uh, at the time. <laughs> yeah. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty used to it at this point. Well, yeah, you would be. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, for the, the bulk of it, like the first decade of it, I mean, I, you know, chips, I would eat potato chips because potato chips are vegetarian. You could eat, you know, nacho cheese Doritos. That's vegetarian. Um, you know, the different sauce, like uh, cheese dips and all of those, or a frozen pizza, um, all of those are vegetarian. So I ate a lot of that fairly high processed food to begin with. And that, I mean, that was like at the height of uh, my heaviest weight. Right. So, you know, getting close to 400 pounds and I was vegetarian. And it wasn't until I started actually losing weight and like actually analyzing my food a little bit more, thinking about food, reflecting on it, like, what am I eating? You know, do I really need that Mountain Dew? Because Mountain Dew is vegetarian. vegetarian. Yep. Yeah. You know, you could drink soda. It's vegan even. Um, But it was through that process that then I started seeing like, okay, you know, I'm lactose intolerant, which I had never really paid attention to before. Um, You know, I, I don't like this kind of food like I used to, or my taste changed because of, you know, some of the changes that I was making in terms of my diet and lifestyle. Um, And it was through that that I really became then vegan um, or entirely plant-based. So do you think that you would ever, ever go back to to eating any kind of meat or like, um, you know, uh, eggs or fish or, I mean, I know that they have all of these lacto ovo vegetarian or whatever and vegan is just plant just plants do you Mm -hmm. think you would ever go back to fish or eggs or anything like that uh at this point no um i mean throughout that whole process too really looking at i mean for me then the ethical side of food right 
you know, where does our food come from, the ethical nature of, you know, using animals for food, um, that became more of a consideration yeah. that I made. So it's kind of like all of it morphed, like around the same time period of, you know, I'm already not eating meat, but, you know, I'm eating eggs, and I'm doing all this other stuff. And do I really need to do that? And then, you know, what am I what am I contributing to by by purchasing that or by using that ingredient? So yeah, I just cut it out entirely. And I've been vegan for a couple of years now. Now with with being a vegan, now there are some nutrients that like I think is is it B twelve? I'm just I'm not remembering off the top of my head mm-hmm. that you it's you can still get it from a plant based diet, but you have to be really careful with what you eat. So are you really kind of aware mm-hmm. of your your micronutrients or do you just kind of eat what you feel like you need to eat? For the most part I eat just kind of what I feel like I need to eat. I do a, a really varied food sourcing. So in terms of ingredients, in terms of vegetables, um, you know, I don't really stick to like one, you know, this is the meal that I make two, three times a week. Um, I mean, it's like as many different kinds of plants, as many different kinds of grains as I can get in. Um, and for things like, you know, your B12 and whatnot, like you said, like you can get it from plant-based ingredients. You just have to be aware of that and trying to add those different ingredients in kind of as often as you can. Um, And there's some of them that, I mean, they're just like a nutritional powerhouse in terms of what they offer, like quinoa. Quinoa has so many different vitamins and minerals that you need um, on a daily basis even. So having quinoa as often as possible. I use a lot of nutritional yeast. So that's one source of B12. Um, Mushrooms, that's another one for B12. So yeah, just trying to eat, I think, a variety of food sources. And I think that's true for anybody, really. I mean, it doesn't matter what, you know, food style or diet you're on. I mean, you need Absolutely, variety. yeah. And unless you want to supplement, and do you take any supplements at all? Mm-hmm. Or No. I don't. And I don't think no. you have to. I think that if you, like you were saying, if you eat a wide variety of foods, and, you know, a lot of these brightly colored vegetables and and green Mm -hmm. leafy plants and stuff you don't you shouldn't need to a lot of things that have come up lately talking about anti-nutrients and oxalates now have you heard about those what do you think Mm -hmm. about that yeah i have heard about those and i think you know coming from the vegan side of it or the plant-based side of it i mean those things are a, a concern um you know just like with any kind of nutrition piece it's a concern but if you are eating a variety of food sources, the, the risk factor for any of those really goes down. Um, you know, if you're stuck on, I only eat lentils <laughs> as a protein source or a bean source, you know, that's, that's when you're going to have some of those nutrition problems. And that's where the oxalates come in. Um, but if you are, you know, just a, a wide variety you're really not going to have a problem with those. Um, and I know like with oxalates, if you drink a lot of water, that that can help flush those out or decrease any kind of risk factor. Associated I think with them. too, in a way, it's almost like if you're, if you're um, sensitive to them, like not everybody's going to be sensitive to these mm. things um, because obviously ancestrally yep. we did eat plants um, and I, I don't know that we ate the yeah. same plants that we have today, 
but they must have been some sort of precursor. I mean, I don't know that they had tomatoes 10,000 years ago, but they had, you know, they had something, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, think, I think apples have been around mm-hmm. a good long while. So, I mean, we, we were eating oh, these yeah. things. What are your favorite recipes? Like, talk about your favorite foods. I don't even know. Like, there's so many. <laughs> um, I, I enjoy learning new recipes. I enjoy learning new food and cuisine from other countries and, you know, trying to either make it vegan or finding ones that just kind of accidentally are vegan. There's a lot of those out there. Um, and I, and a lot of it depends too on my time, like how much time do I have to cook or create? And I mean, right now with the whole stay at home and lockdown, lots of time. I have yeah. infinite time. <laughs> yeah, lots of time. But I mean, I love making bread. I mean, that's like one of my main things. I always have uh, like my sourdough starter is always going. I always have some kind of bread in production in some way whatsoever. Um, yeah, I like that. I really like pasta. I like different, different kinds of spaghetti. Um, I like uh, Buddha bowls oh, yeah. or grain yeah. bowls quite a bit. And that's kind of a, yeah, like probably two or three times a week. That's something that's on the menu. Um, just because they're so, you can customize them so much. You know, it depends on like, what do you have in your fridge? What do you need to get rid of? Um, I like doing uh, nachos quite a bit. I love nachos. And I really like doing, um, I don't know if you've made them, but just like your own potato chips. Like slice a russet potato really thin or a sweet potato really yeah. thin oh, and yeah, bake them. Um, and then use that as like your, yes. yeah. your nachos. Uh, that, yeah. My son really loves macaroni and cheese. <laughs> so I make that probably once or twice a week. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I'd Kind of eat it all. How much time in a week do you think you spend shopping for food and and cooking sort of on a daily basis? Like, do you shop every day or do you like shop once a week or once every two weeks? Because vegetables are a lot more perishable. So, yeah. So that that is part of the thing. Like, as you transition more into a whole food, plant-based diet, where you are eating things that are fresh, you're eating things that aren't really processed, you do have to go grocery shopping often. Just like you said, fruits and vegetables are perishable. I mean, they go bad within a week or some of them, it's even a few days really that they're going to last. But there are different like tips and tricks and things that you can do to kind of save some of that time, like uh, spinach. Like I'll buy fresh spinach, like a couple of pounds of it at a time and I'll wash it, dry it, and then bag it in freezer bags. And then kind of like roll the air out and then you can freeze a bag of fresh spinach in a like flat kind of, kind of storage. Um, and I'll have like 10 bags of spinach in my wow. freezer at a time. So that way I don't have to worry about, you know, going out and buying it all the time. I don't have to worry about, you know, it going bad because it's frozen and it, you know, it's better than what you're going to buy in the freezer section. Cause a lot of times those are, packaged in that like solid ice block (laughs) and there's so much water in it but yeah packing it yourself or even like cauliflower another one you buy a couple of heads of it you cut it up you have it in your fridge ready to go or you can toss a bag of it you know in your freezer or uh, pepper mix if you want to make the 
buy, you know, as many different kinds of peppers and onions as you can and then slice it up, bag it so that it's all like pre-made basically. And that saves quite a bit of time on having to buy the fresh So going back to the spinach, when you take it out of the freezer, like, is it Mm -hmm. like still like, I don't want to, I don't fresh. Like it's not wilted at all. Uh, It's less wilted. I mean, it's definitely not fresh. Like you're going to throw it into a salad or something, but yeah, it's, it's a lot better for like a smoothie. It's going to be more green. It's going to have better flavor to it. It's good for cooking. Um, Because the other thing that's kind of cool with it is if you freeze it like that, you know, you can like, you know, roll the air out. So it's like yeah. a flat bag, basically, is you can also like take it out of the freezer while it's oh, frozen and yeah. crush it in the bag. Oh, cool. So that way you don't have to chop it oh. at all. Yeah. So then you have like chopped spinach, basically, but it's just you crushed the bag a little bit and you're oh, done. That's, what, that's such a good idea. I love that. Um, so going on with, with this, because this, I'm loving this. This is great stuff. Um, this is kind of really one of the things that, that I want to sort of talk about with people is like your actual life and how you Mm -hmm. manage what you eat. Do you have your own garden? Like, do you have a big garden during, you know, when the weather gets nice? Yeah, I do have a pretty big garden. Um, it's not huge, but it's big enough. I think I have probably 12 different tomato plants out there. Uh, I'll grow my own romaine lettuce. Uh, green beans, basil, that's a big one. I usually have several really large basil plants. Um, rhubarb, right. I think I'm up to like six rhubarb plants right. now. Um, so, I mean, I have a garden and I, you know, will supplement as much as I can from that. But the biggest one for me is I'll shop the, like the true farmer's markets, not the ones where, you know, it's they're just selling donuts yes. and all that yeah. kind of stuff. But we have... Uh, the farmer's market where it's just, it's the farmer and he's got a right. truck yeah. open and I'll buy, you know, like a bushel or two yes. of tomatoes and then can them. Right. So yeah. in the summer I do a lot of canning. I... My thing is, I mean, food is fun. I mean, it, food is a cultural element. I mean, you look at every country in the world and you have some kind of like ethnic dish that is like their food. And if we get too hung up on, you know, does it fit into this diet or, you know, do I have to replace this, 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 this to it? I mean, you're losing then the fun of the food um, and you're losing really the enjoyment of it as well. If you're like so set in, I can only eat in this way. Like even for me, I mean, for the most part, I eat, you know, whole food, plant-based ingredients, but every now and then, like you just, I don't know, you want a tortilla chip (laughs) or you want, you know, the piece of chocolate cake and then, you know, fine. It just kind of fits for you. Right. It's your variety. I'm not having it every single day like I used to, but you know, you get a, a donut once in a while just because you want a donut. And that's where like some of the weight loss stuff, the like the um, mental health piece of it comes into is the more you start restricting and eliminating things, you kind of are dancing on this pretty fine line of, you know, this is okay. I can't have your own food, like making it from scratch, making it from single ingredient items, you know, like it's an eggplant or like with your ratatouille. I mean, that took time to make and you're going to appreciate it more 
because you know what actually went into it in terms of the process versus you just, you know, unwrap something and toss it in the microwave. You're so far removed from that being an actual food item at that point. Now it's something like I just am going to consume this versus I'm going to sit and enjoy it, savor it and, you know, have maybe community surrounding it or, you know, you just <laughs> heat it up. and you're Yeah, done. it's unfortunate. I think that it's such such a big part of the population that we've kind of got away from that. What do you, what do you think that we should do about that? Like, where can we go try and make things better? Um, I think, you know, to get back into the kitchen, I mean, a lot of it starts with people with younger kids. I mean, that's really where it's going to start is having your kids cook with you in the kitchen, having your kids cooking in the kitchen. And for people that are maybe new to kitchen life is to start trying some uh, like substitution items, like instead of buying your spaghetti sauce, your marinara, maybe try making that piece of it first, you know, and really get used to making that or get used to making an Alfredo or get used to maybe like one, one dish, you know, something new, one new recipe per week, even Um, just so you could start learning some of the different techniques and, you know, what are the different ingredients that that you actually enjoy eating. Maybe there's like a spice that you really love. Um, and you just kind of have to try it out. What kind of spices do you use? I was going to ask you that f- before and I, I totally forgot. Like, what's your favorite kind of spices? Like, oh, are you more oof. like on the Italian side, like with the basil? Uh, I have a pretty extensive <laughs> spice collection. Um, and I go through a lot of spices too. Like instead of buying just the, you know, the little tiny jars of stuff, I usually buy spices by the pound um, because I go through it. (laughs) Well, I go through some of them so quickly, like paprika. That's probably one of my main spices that I use. I use a lot of paprika. Yeah, that's a big one. Uh, Basil, oregano, thyme, rosemary. I mean, those are pretty common. Um, But I also have some, I guess, less common ones that I'll use, like uh, ground sumac. That's one that I've I've gotten into pretty recently. Oh, what do you use I really that like in? Using that one, uh, it's kind of like a, it's a, it's like a citrusy wow. kind of flavor to it. Um, not quite as bright as like uh, orange zest or lime zest or anything like that, but it just has like it's a, it's a distinct, unique citrus flavor. Um, so you can use that to season different vegetables. You know, sprinkle some of it on your asparagus. Uh, yeah, there's I'm trying to think of other spices that I use a lot of, uh, ground mustard. Okay, I do a lot of yeah. Indian cooking too, because I love Indian food and yeah, the place that I live really has no Indian food whatsoever. So that was something I had to learn how to cook, uh, ground coriander. I buy that by the pound usually because a lot of Indian recipes go through you're putting in like a quarter cup oh, yeah, yeah. of coriander. <laughs> interested in cooking, but I, I think mm-hmm. I've gotten kind of timid lately about it. And especially talking about spices, spices mm. have always been a mystery to me. thought about doing that. I mean, or something similar to that of helping people to yeah. just learn how to cook. Because a lot of, you know, the different cooking classes out there, they're, they're like highly specific of, you know, I'm going to learn how to make some outrageous dish. Or I'm going to learn how to make, 
more gourmet style food. But I think what is really lacking, especially in Western culture, is how to just cook. I mean, just the basic things. Uh, there, it's like a little mini, mini episodes. I think it's on Hulu or Netflix or something like that. But it's <laughs> these people, and they give them like a red pepper, and they say, "Slice this red pepper." And it just shows in like five minutes. I'll have to find the name. I can message it to you. Uh, you know, it just shows these people <laughs> like completely baffled with how do you cut this yes. thing? How do you cut an onion? You know, how do you how do you make? Yeah. How do you cook noodles well? Um, and it's a lot of those skills, or even like spices. You know, people have no clue what some of these things yeah. taste like. How to use them? How to combine them to create different flavors? Um, yeah, taking away some of that fear of, I, I don't know yeah. how to mince garlic. And if you know how to do that, you're going to feel a lot more confident yeah. and comfortable. I agree with you. I think that's what's re- what is really needed out there is kind of like some basic cooking, um, instructions because I don't think they do home ec at school anymore. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know if you did home ec when you were in school, but no. I mean, I did when I was in high school, they still had home ec. I mean, mm-hmm. the boys probably didn't take it, but um, it was available. And my son, now he's just, uh, he graduated from high school last year. They didn't have home ec available at all. You know, didn't matter who wanted to take it. They just didn't have it. Yeah. So now he's 18 years old and he, actually he knows how to cook a little bit for me. But, you know, what if you didn't have a parent that wanted you to teach you? I mean, what would you do if you went out into the world? These people that go to college and yep. university and they, they don't know how to cook and they got to go, I guess, to fast food or whatever it is that they offer yep. at the school. Um, so that's why they gain the freshman 15, right? Yep. Cause they're, they don't know how to cook. So yeah, I think that that's, what's really mm-hmm. needed is some basic cooking yeah. things. And I think that's something that would be, would go over really well, I think. So there's an idea for you if you want to do that or a cookbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Five or, you years. know, I think, <laughs> there we go. I mean, there's probably, you could probably <laughs> get a recipe cooking. book out of all of the stuff on your Instagram. Like really, there's so many beautiful things oh, in yeah, there. And that's sure. kind of something I've been doing with this. Oh, I got to tell you this story. Um, so I don't know if you've listened to any of my other episodes, but I started doing some cookbook reviews and I had made a few recipes and, mm. and I was like, well, okay, the next time I'm going to review, I'm going to make this recipe and I'll review it. Well, the one that I did before, your, the first one that we did together, I had made this. It was Vietnamese pork patties with rice noodles. And I thought to myself, um, I'm interviewing a guy who's a vegan. I really thought it, it's going to be like super disrespectful <laughs> if after I talk to you, I tack on a review of Vietnamese pork patties. So I'm like, yeah, no, I can't do that. <laughs> But that's been something that I've been doing is just picking up. I picked up a whole bunch of recipe books at the library and I'm just picking out things that I've never made. I've never made Vietnamese food or I made some chicken pad Thai. So I've never made Thai food before. Mm -hmm. So that's what I've been doing and kind of talking about them, you know, on this uh, show so that people that, you know, maybe have never tried these things might get an idea. Well, you know, it's not that hard to make. So that's what I've been kind of doing. So. And then now mm-hmm. what I'm going to yeah. do is since I made your ratatouille, I'll probably do a lot more looking up things online 
um, looking at Pinterest and looking at online blogs and picking out things and like, you know, like I made your Ratatouille and that was fantastic. So, oh, so another thing I was going to ask you. So the sauce that I made, I think the pan that I used, I mean, it was, it was pretty small. I think it was like only a 10 inch pan. So there was a lot of sauce left over. Mm. And I think I already messaged you about this because I asked you what to do with like the leftover bits of um, zucchini and stuff that I didn't use that were already sliced up. So basically I just Mm -hmm. threw them into the leftover sauce and sauteed them or simmered it until they were um, cooked. And then I just blended the whole thing together. And so like now it's sauce. So I just, I have like about three or four jars in Mm -hmm. the fridge. Now, I'm, I'm sure I can use those on pasta or whatever, but can I freeze that sauce in the jar or what should I do with it? Because I don't know if I'm going to use them that quickly that they're not going to go bad. Yeah, um, I mean, freezing depends on like what kind of jar you have because there's the, you know, if you're using canning jars, yeah. the wide yeah. mouth versus regular mouth or the smaller one. If you're going to okay. freeze, you should always use the wide mouth because of the, the right, expansion. Right, right. Of liquid as it freezes. Yes. That's why they have those two different jars, really. Because um, yeah, the other wide mouth, it's a straight side. Oh, so okay. if it freezes, yeah. it's not going to crack the jar open on you. But otherwise, yeah, otherwise just freezing it like in, you know, leftover containers or something. Um, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll make meals ahead using those. Like the, that sauce oh, okay. is really good on just rice, even. So you can make rice pour the sauce on it and then freeze that as okay. a, like a meal base for later on. And then yeah. you can just add in, you know, whatever kind of protein you want right. or, you know, yeah. other toppings to it. Even in the fridge though, like... This oh, is yeah, what sure we need week, more, no is we need more people talking about recipes and spices and, and all this yeah. this stuff. So I think if we ever if we ever have another show, actually I want to talk to you more about vegetables. Like different vegetables and how to use them, how to cook them. Like that yeah. eggplant. Okay, here's an eggplant question then. Um, I, I saw this thing, uh, to salt or not to salt? If you, if you fill the jar up pretty much to the top and then, you know, put a canning lid on it. Okay. I mean, it's going to stay good for Yeah, that's what weeks, I did is really. I put them in canning jars. So they're in the sitting in the fridge. They should be okay for about a week or so. Those, the salt on it helps to pull some of the liquid out. So that way, if you bake it or something, it's not going to be as soupy. So for a ratatouille, it doesn't really matter yeah. because it's a pretty much yes. a soup yeah. anyways. It's pretty liquidy. But if you're going to do like an eggplant ah. parmesan, then you should definitely salt it first and then let the salt sit on it. And then you just kind of like wipe the yeah. excess salt and uh-huh. uh, the liquid that comes out of it off. So you're not really like salting it in terms of you're adding salt into your right, food. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. just salting it to I was the looking online because I was looking at other ratatouille recipes. Actually, I was looking at them a couple of weeks ago when my daughter wanted me to make it after we were watching the movie. So then when I was looking at yours and I was remembering something about the eggplant with the salt. So I went back and I was looking that up. So then I thought, oh, I got to ask Justin that. So mm-hmm. see, now these are the things that you need to be you know have explained to you and reading just reading it online doesn't always kind of get it through your little brain about why it works this way like now that you've explained it to me that makes perfect Mm -hmm. sense right oh yeah well with any of those like really high hydration 
like with that, it's called a marrow vegetable, or it's a marrow fruit, actually. Well, it's, yeah, it's all the things that yeah. you don't even know that you don't know, you know? Yeah. Like, you just don't even, you never have to think about it, really. Even the difference between, uh, like, baking oh, soda and baking powder. So that powder, reminds me, what was this don't... that you were saying about you were had to yeah. cook something in your oven to make ramen? What was that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember the... I can't remember the name of it, but you, uh, you're creating an alkaline water, but it's not just like alkaline, like what you buy at the store. I mean, it is like, it's super alkaline, um, to be able to make your ramen noodles, like a true proper ramen, you know, the actual ramen noodle is made with a very alkaline liquid, which then gives it its unique and distinct flavor and that like yeah you know, the yeah springiness of a ramen noodle so not like the kind that you buy in like the little 10 cent packages but you know you go to an actual japanese restaurant you get ramen the noodles are just really springy yes, like you can yeah. almost like pull on them and they snap um, and that's created by using oh, this wow. special liquid so in you know Japanese stores, you could buy this powder, um, or you could buy the actual water to do it. But you can act, you can make it by baking baking soda. So the act of baking it turns it into this like highly alkaline substance. And you have to be careful with doing it too, because it's almost like lye, yeah. where it can burn your skin. Yeah. But once you mix it with the water, like it's it's perfectly safe. It's just. Like in the highly concentrated yeah, it's, it's bicar- form of it, yeah, it's it's bicarbonate, yeah. isn't it? Once you it, once I you mean, bake it, it like releases some other chemical too. Like yes. it actually changes the chemical compound of it. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. I mean, so now I I'm between now and the next time I'm going <laughs> to have lots of vegetable questions for you, because um, you haven't converted me yet to a vegan, but. I'm definitely going to be trying more of your recipe. So we'll <laughs> leave it at that. That So so you've accomplished something today, awesome. right? <laughs> you've got Jennifer eating more vegetables. So that's a good thing. All right. So, yeah. Awesome. So it was great having you here with me again today, Justin. I hope we'll talk again soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks again, Justin, for being on my show today. I really had a great time talking to you. I'm sorry that the audio got a bit weird. And it sounds a bit choppy in some places, but I hope y'all will forgive me because I'm still a newbie. This is only episode eight for me. But if you're interested in being on the show and would like to have a chat with me, please send me a message. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under Not Your Average Keto Podcast. Stay safe, wash your hands, and be excellent to each other.